This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issues shall be your heir. This man shall not be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars, if you were able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned him, reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O oh Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all of these and cut them in two, laying each half against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the
city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. And did what God asked him to do. 
He endured a day and a night of bringing sacrifices before God and battling with birds of prey that would take those sacrifices. He endured a terrifying night of darkness and awoke in the morning as part of a new covenant with God. Endurance. Last month, 35-year-old single mom, Becca Belmont ran seven marathons in seven consecutive days on seven different continents. When I heard her speak on NPR at the end of her Marathon of Marathons, I wondered, what is it that sustains someone through that kind of feat? Endurance. About 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, and his promise to return, which was interpreted as, I will be back really, really soon. Paul brought Christianity to Europe, starting in Philippi. And about a decade after the start of the church in Philippi, when Jesus still had not returned as expected, Paul wrote the letter to the Philippians that we heard part of this morning. He wrote it from his prison cell. He knew that the Philippians were surrounded by temptations to give up waiting for Christ, to give up living into Jesus' teachings, because really, where was this God who had promised to return? It is clear from the way that Paul speaks to the Philippians that he has deep affection for them, and that he wants them to endure even in his absence even in Christ's absence. They, in their fear of persecution and their waiting patience, and he from his prison cell remain faithful. They keep on keeping on. Endurance. Last week, on the TED Radio Hour, the theme of the show was to endure. And the part of the show that I heard was about two men named Ben and Tarka, who trekked 1,800 miles round the trip from the coast of Antarctica to the South Pole and back, each hauling 400 pounds of supplies. The two men moved through the freezing whiteout conditions at half a mile per hour. After 63 days, they reached the South Pole took a picture, and without entering the base camp for a hot drink or a shower, they turned around and went home. They ran low on food and became hyperglycemic and hypothermic. But unlike others who had tried that journey for the past hundred plus years, they made it back alive. Endurance. In the Gospel, that we've heard today. Jesus has been teaching his radical love and challenging the oppressive powers of authority for long enough to have made quite a few enemies. Enemies of power. He knew his time was growing short. He could have tapered back his message or charmed the authority figures. I do not doubt that that was within his abilities. But he compromised nothing of his message or his ministry. 
Even when he was warned that he should run away before Herod caught up with him and had him put to death, he stuck to his plan. And as we hear today, he held back not a bit, not even in his cheeky response. You tell that fox that I have work to do, he told his well-meaning informants. And he laid out his plan to continue that work and keep on moving toward Jerusalem, despite threats to his life. Maybe even because of those threats to his life. Endurance. Ultimate, holy, sacrificial endurance. This is the kind of sacred endurance that Lent calls us into. And if that sounds extreme, that's because it is. Walking in the love of Christ is an extreme choice. Accompanying Jesus through Lent and to the cross is an extreme choice. It requires endurance. Endurance that manifests differently in each of our lives. Perhaps the endurances that have moved me most have not been marathons or record-breaking endurances, but the endurances of everyday people. The endurance of the one who spends many years bedridden before dying, and the endurance of the spouse that stays close the whole time. The endurance of the one who bears the pain of losing a loved one to death, and continues to live their own life, embodying the love of the one they grieve. The endurance of the one who wakes at dawn to spend time with God before the rest of the family wakes up and requires attention. The endurance of the one who listens carefully to God for direction, blocking out all the easier choices offered by the the endurance of those who live each day to serve in the place where their gifts meet the world's needs. The endurance of all who wait through the quiet, lenten darknesses of life without losing hope, without losing sight of that promised resurrection. We cannot endure any of these things alone. Jesus knew this when he yearns to gather us together as the mother hen gathers her chicks under her wing. He knew that Herod wasn't the only fox out there scattering us and threatening the lives of God's beloved people. Herod was merely the fox of the moment. There are still so many foxes that threaten our physical and spiritual and emotional and communal well-being. And we can only endure if we allow God to gather us together under protective, divine wings. We are scattered in far too many ways. Scattered into seven billion separate entities by politics and isms, by judgment and misunderstanding, by pride and greed and apathy. Perhaps our Lenten journey has to do with enduring God's attempts to pull us together into one, one love, one bread, one cup at one table. Thomas Cranmer, the Reformation era author, era author of, of our first book of 
Thomas Cramer wrote this. For life as bread is made of a great number of grains, ground, baked, and so joined together that thereof is made one loaf. And an infinite number of grapes depressed together in one vessel, and thereof is made wine. Likewise is the whole multitude of true Christian people spiritually joined, first to Christ, and then among themselves, together in one faith, one baptism, one Holy Spirit, one knot and bond of love. And I would only add that I believe to be our, to be our modern call to gather together as one, not just as a body of Christians, but all people of all walks of life and faith. May we be joined together in that one knot of love, that together we may endure the coming weeks, the coming trial of Christ and all the ways that his trial invokes our earthly trials, the coming suffering of Christ and all the ways that his suffering invokes our earthly suffering, the coming death of Christ and all the ways that his death invokes the deaths of our earthly lives. May we together endure so that we may fully behold the coming resurrection of Christ and all the ways that his resurrection makes way for our own resurrection.
prayers for God's people throughout the world. For Michael, our presiding bishop, for Al and Gail, our bishops, for this gathering, and for all ministers and people. In the Anglican cycle of prayers, we give thanks and pray for the Diocese of Abu, Anyanri, Niger, Nigeria. For Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and for reconciliation of the worldwide Anglican community. In our diocese cycle of prayer, we give thanks and pray for the ministries of the Church of the Redeemer, Chestnut Hill, the Boston College Campus Ministry, Chestnut Hill, St. Stephen's Church, Cohasset, and for our own parish, and the Standing Committee of the Diocese. Pray for the Church. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. Pray for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God, for a deeper knowledge of God. I ask your prayers for the departed, remembered, especially, and you, Kyle. Are there others? Pray for those who have died. We remember those for whom we have passed away. Karen, Barbara, Clementine, David Jr., Betsy, Tina, Dale, Don, Bob and Pat, Cheryl, Will, John, Ann, Ruth, Barbara, Tom and the Bridges family, Heather, Jimmy and Andrea, Engelborg, Lucas, Clicker, Mary, Catherine, Margo, Susie, Joanne, Tom, John, Kathy, Kristen, Alice, Ellen, Ed, Susan, Peter, Kirsty, Eric, Gail, Jim, Wynn, Harry, Kaliana, Wynn and Jenny, Spencer and Louisa, Alden, Deborah, Eddie, those without jobs, those serving in the military, all who work for peace, and all those suffering as they flee war-torn countries, are there others? Praying for those for whom we care. I invite your prayers and intercessions at this time, either silently or aloud. 
first Friday of March, we have more than 170 countries all around the world come together to observe a common day of prayer and celebration, and celebration to which all people are welcome. It's a movement that brings together women of various races, cultures, and traditions. Every year, one country is asked to write a service. This year, the women do write the host country. They're sharing their stories of intergenerational wisdom, traditions, and experiences of God's love and acceptance. The uh, topic is Receive Children, Receive Me. In Concord, we celebrate World Day of Prayer since the late 1920s. We rotate the service year to year through First Parish, Holy Family, West Congregating Church, Tricon, and, I'm uh, sorry, Trinitarian Congregation, we used to say the abbreviation and our church Trinity Episcopal. This is our year. Lunch follows the service for the opportunity to show up the church hall, have wonderful conversations, and learn more about life in Cuba through a narration and a slideshow. Trinity will make you soon, and with the other churches providing sandwich and dessert. I do hope that you will come. If anyone would like to help with the cooking and serving, please see me in coffee hour. From 4 o'clock to 6 o'clock, all 6 to 12 graders are welcome because you haven't been coming to youth group yet. And this afternoon, Carol Brady will lead us in a lesson on the students of Ramanda and the Marinando School, um, which is a wonderful thing for youth group to come to in preparation for two weeks from now on March 6th, when we will, the youth group will get to have lunch with two students from Marinando. Uh, next Sunday, I've been waiting for all year.